0: Drive All Night is supported by listeners like you. To find out how you can help, please visit patreon.com slash Amos. There you'll learn what exciting rewards we're offering for your support. Again, that's patreon.com slash Amos to help us continue to make high quality and tori attainment for you.
1: Well, Elmo didn't make the A-sides, and I hear from people all the time, they do question my judgment, which is absolutely fine. <laughs> it's fine. We've been having this conversation for years and years and years, and they'll just come to a meet-and-greet and and say, you know, I really think you got that wrong. And I think that's fair enough. I get a lot of things wrong in that some of my favorite songs do become the B-sides. Now, is that because they are a B-side? Because if I had put Beauty Queen Horses on a B-side, I'm sure people would be coming up to me and saying, "You, you have now lost your mind. But you have to make these decisions at the time. And I think that has become a big request, Alamo, and, and a special, I don't know, um, a special love of some people.
0: Hey everybody, you're listening to Drive All Night, the songs of Tori Amos. We are your hosts, I'm Efron Jr. And I'm David Anderson. And on today's episode, we're talking about Alamo, a B-side from Tori's
2: third album, Boys for Pele. Alamo. Hi, David. <laughs> Hi, Eve. <laughs> How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? That was surprising. Yeah. Well, Alamo surprises you. Shocks <laughs> the hell out of you. pops out of nowhere sometimes. <laughs> How are you, David? I'm good. I'm excited to talk about this song. Are you? I am. I can tell. I'm I mean, ready for a story because I feel like someone else is going to do some of the heavy lifting today. So uh, I'm ready to just absorb. Who would that, who would that be that's going to um, do some of the heavy lifting? We'd like we to introduce our in-house guest. We have special guest and friend of the show,
0: Saker. Saker Hines, ladies and gentlemen. Say hi, Saker. Hi. She didn't pull her Hello. Ethel Merman joke. or her. What was it?
3: Well, I already did it once, so I didn't think it would be funny to do it again.
2: It could be your thing. We love okay. a recurring bit.
3: You do? I didn't yeah. know that.
2: Clearly we do. Oh, uh, we're not doing a very good job, Okay, I guess. try it again. Say hi, Saker. Hi, Saker. Ah! ah!
0: Anyway, Saker has flown to Los Angeles and then been driven to where we take our podcasting retreats so that she could be here for us as we record Alamo because is this your signature song?
3: I'd say probably Butterfly is, but Alamo is like neck and neck. Those are my two songs.
0: Oh, Those are your two songs? What what about Alamo makes it your signature your second signature.
3: It's just one that's always really moved me. I, when I first heard it, I was just in a really hard place and it came in a really kind of turning point and it just really hit me in a hard way and it's just always been a song that has just really moved me and meant a lot to me.
0: I'm excited to get into it because the song to me is not anything I've ever really connected with. So I'm excited to have someone here that's connected to the song to sort of school me on what the song's about. Agreed. Same. Same? You mm-hmm. never connected to the song, David?
2: No, necessarily. I think it's pretty, but I haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it live a handful of times, more than I would expect. For um, how so. few times she's played? Uh-huh, it. Yeah. right. I've
0: seen it live, too. I remember it, seeing it live, thinking like, oh, a rarity, mm-hmm. but still not really feeling like a, a true connection with it. hmm but the show is not about our connection with it. The show is just about the song in general. And so I'm glad that we have someone who has a super connection with the song so that maybe we can explore and see see things differently. Yes? Tends to happen on the show. Tends so. to. <laughs> it really does. Last, our last episode, Sister Named Desire, is a, a clear example of that. First, I'd like to say thank you to Rachel Schult for her research on this episode. She, she did that for us. Thank you, Rachel Shall we just get into it? Should we take a little break and then come back and just get into yeah, it? Let's just why do delay. Why it. Why hide who we are? Why? <laughs> I think we should just like that's our format and we should just do it. Uh-huh. All right. You want to throw us to break, David? Um, or, hey, we got saker here. Let's have saker throw us to break.
3: Let's take a break.
0: Good work. <laughs> we'll be back in a minute.
1: Mexico won its independence from Spain and Texas wasn't the state we know today back then, Texas was known as Tejas a place that was grossly underpopulated a Mexican state where Texians and Tejanos both had a hand in this land like Dos Manos Tejanos were Texans of Mexican descent Texans were Americans who began to settle land and at first, the Mexican government welcomed them but as the population grew, so did the tension soon the Mexican government enacted a law that wouldn't allow American immigrants at all, cause Mexico didn't think the Texians were changing. They wanted adoption of laws and assimilation, relations were strained in this manner. 1833, in step-general Santa Ana, he wanted the most, wouldn't settle for less, historians called him the Napoleon of the West. Many in Mexico felt betrayed When Santa Ana threw their constitution away Texians felt the sting and started to resist Stephen Austin called for a Texan independence The new Texas army prepared for a movement Led by commander Sam Houston A siege lasted 13 days Impossible odds the defenders faced The Texans lost but the call that arose That old battle cry Remember the Alamo. Lasting 13 days. Impossible odds the defenders faced. The Texans lost, but the call that arose is that old battle cry. Remember the Alamo defenders gathered in San Antonio with Travis and Bowie at the Alamo. Because the Alamo, an old Roman Catholic mission, had become a fortress with a strategic position. Listen, these events, you don't want to miss. February 1836, General Santa Anna threw up his fist to enlist thousands of troops to assist. But Colonel Travis, head of the Alamo defense, recruited volunteers fighting at their own expense. Many believed in the cause, they Heeded the call, 200 defenders who rather died than withdraw. Yeah. than the sound of marching. It's not cattle, bro. 1,500 troops around the Alamo, cannon fire and gunshots while they laid siege to the Alamo Fort. For two long weeks, along with Jim Bowie and Davy Crockett, their lives were lost, but the cause was solid. The Battle of the Alamo, a battle lost, but wait, Texas would become an independent state. A siege lasted 13 days Impossible odds the defenders faced The Texans lost but the call that arose That old battle cry Remember the Alamo A siege lasted 13 days Impossible odds the defenders faced The Texans lost but the call that arose That old battle cry
2: Well, we're back. We've had quite the break, David. <laughs> I feel like we earned it. Yeah. After that <laughs> that long two minutes, it felt like we had taken a journey to the basement of the Alamo. On an elevator. Yeah. Yeah, we took the elevator to the basement so we could start at the bottom and
0: work our way up. That trip to the Alamo was brought to you special by Flocabulary. That was a YouTube video I found. And I'll link to it in our show notes on our website, com. So... From Nylon.com on October 25th, 2016. Recent. This is what was written about Alamo. It says, Boys for Pele's anniversary edition also includes a variety of previously unreleased songs, including Sucka and In the Springtime of His Voodoo, as well as beloved B-sides like the track we're premiering today, Alamo. The song is signature Amos, and while it never found a place on her A-sides, it has become a fervent fan favorite, thanks to Amos's frequent playing it in concert. It's haunting and gorgeous. It's lyrics, including gently despondent lines, like tears on my pillow, of course they're not mine. Somebody invent the telephone line, I'll take my chances, all delivered with Amos's lilting, lifting voice, which soars without ever breaking. The song's undeniable beauty has left devoted fans wondering why it never made its way onto a proper album. In a recent interview, Amos said, Alamo didn't make the A-sides, and I hear from people all the time questioning my judgment for years and years and years, and they'll just come up to me and say, I think you got this wrong. And that is the source of the clip that we played at the top of the show.
2: Has anyone ever really come up to her about any song and picked a fight with her over why it wasn't on the album?
3: I'm going to now.
2: Oh, now you're going, but you haven't thus far.
3: I have not, but now I'm going to.
2: I'm going to pick a fight with her about songs that have made the albums. Uh, yeah, oh,
3: that's, that's a good that's point. Better. That's yeah. a better fight. Yeah. Rose Dover?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Not dying today? Hey, 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 it's all fun and games. We're picking on Rose Dover. But Not Dying Today is a fan fave. No
2: one said police me, so calm down. Hey, I love police I me. I know,
0: that's what I'm saying. Police yourself. <laughs>
3: well, I love Rose Dover, so.
2: No, you don't. I do. If we're not going to tell the truth
0: here, we're not going to do this. <laughs> okay, so we'll have to have Saker on for the Rose Dover episode. So we should live so long. <laughs> we're going to get to it. We are going to get to it. Um, you want to talk about the history of the song, Saker? Where does this appear for the first time in Tori's c- canon?
3: So this was a B-side from Boys for Pele. It came out on the Tallulah single that was released in 1996.
2: That's true. Is that the first time you heard it?
3: That is the first time I heard it. I uh, went and bought the single, and it had also Sister Name Desire and the Tallulah remix. The
2: 12-minute. The 12-minute <laughs> BT
3: synesthesia.
2: It's not even. It's, is it synesthesia? But it's not because it's not. Isn't spelled. it? It's synesthesia. It's not synesthesia? No. Oh. It's spelled it wrong. Yes, synesthesia. I don't know.
3: And I put it on and I heard that piano intro and I was dead. Smitten. On the floor, dead.
0: What about it?
3: Um, I just, I don't even know how to explain it. Just that it's shocking. Like it just comes right out with that. It's like it doesn't ease you into it at all. It just is brisk and shocking and it just startles you into the song almost. It just grabs you and takes you
0: and that and that grabbed you and took you and you loved it right away
3: i did yes
0: when you look at alamo is it like a super emotional song for you because you just described it as brisk and it grabs you is it a devastating song to you is it like a
3: um i do think it's a sad song i i don't think it's devastatingly sad i think it's a mournful kind of song it's one of those songs though that i find that the some of the songs that I like the most, and I felt this way about Butterfly as well. I don't always understand what the lyrics mean, and that's not super important to me always. I think that it kind of elicits like a mood, and I don't have to analyze all the lyrics to be able to get like the mood and the feeling of the song always. And there are a few lyrics that stick out to me that do mean a lot, but I don't necessarily have to know what everything in the song means to be able to appreciate it and really fall in love with it.
0: I get that. I feel like I, I'm i the kind of person who I have to know.
2: I want to know everything, what it all means. And then that gives me a greater appreciation for it. I just feel like based on what you both just said of getting insight into how you would both react to a first date. <laughs> like, Saker's like, I don't really know, but I feel like there's potential here and like this feels special. And Eve's like, Where's this going? Tell me everything. That's exactly right how off I the am. Bat. No, that's how I am. It's like, Okay, <laughs> I don't have time for this. You're already irritating
0: me because you can't choose what you want for dinner. So this is not going to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Good.
3: That's funny because I have never really been on a first date. So, ever? Not really.
0: I bet your husband's happy about that.
3: <laughs> yeah, we never really had a first date.
0: How'd you meet? What'd you do?
3: We were working together.
0: He's a doctor? No.
3: This was over 20 years ago.
2: Oh, before you were a nurse?
3: Yeah. We worked at Whole Foods together.
2: Oh. So he's a doctor of nutrition. Did your hands graze over the olive bar one night? (laughs) (laughs) He
3: worked in the deli. I worked as a cashier. Oh, different worlds. It was a Whole Foods romance. It was like Romeo and Juliet. Uh He came from the deli side. I was in the front.
2: With my dolly from the deli side.
3: With my dolly from the deli side. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was trying to think of a of a Montague wrapped in like a meat joke, meat I don't know. Oh like that's a pastramagü? Good. That's good. We're so literary and well read these days. We've gone from Tennessee Williams to yes. Shakespeare. I I love how Dor
0: in the last episode threw out the Tennessee Williams reference
2: and kept calling Sister Named Desire the song version of the movie. <laughs> like not to take it back to the movie version. Yeah, like this is a musical adaptation of <laughs> Streetcar Named Desire. <laughs> right. We're accepting that as truth. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so let's talk more about Alamo. Let's, you want to
0: read a quote, David?
2: Um, where is it? There are no
0: quotes. <laughs> just, okay. I just realized.
2: So the first performance we have of this song, one of the only instances we have of Tori talking about it, is from Portsmouth. March 13th, 1996, on the Dewdrop In tour, where between songs, someone shouts out a request for Alamo, and Tori says, How do you know about that song? How do you know about Alamo? Because to her knowledge, the single had not been released, but I guess it had that week. So let's play it. Okay. Oliver's not going to roll it unless you tell him. Roll about- it, Oliver.
4: Honey! Uh, honey! Huh? <laughs> Maybe, eh? Yeah. <laughs> right now! I've never, I've never played that before. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Showed you how much I care about Mr. Fuzzy. Okay, let me think, let me think. What key is it? is it It is not a key plan.
5: <laughs>
0: How do you know about alamo how do you know about it how do you know about it
2: because <laughs> i bought your single
3: wasn't planning to release it and somebody did it without telling
2: her with a spoon <laughs> damn him spoons behind this just goes to show you when you catch tori on the right way in the on the right day rather you never know what she's gonna do any other time she would have rolled her eyes and been like alamo
3: she won't do that anymore i don't
2: think so lady but that day sure why not why not let me actually work it out let me spend a few minutes and work it out here live yeah talk amongst yourselves exactly find the key really great
5: yeah
3: no these days she would go i am not a jukebox i am not a jukebox.
0: This song is interesting because it does she hasn't spoken a lot about it and it is very beloved amongst the fans and I think probably one of the last B-sides to reach the f- beloved fan status because you when you think of Tori Amos's beloved B-sides that are better quote unquote than the album some album songs you know the ones that she loves so much that she hid and didn't put on the album you think of here in my head honey upside down Yes. And then you get to this era, and it, the B-sides are all silly songs for the most part. And this is probably one of the only ones that reaches the status of, like, beloved. Things would have been different if Motor Maids had been released as a B-side back in the day.
2: But of the era. Yeah. I yeah. think you're right. And I was just going to say that, too. Uh, you know, up until this point, there was an embarrassment of riches mm-hmm. and Tori had mm-hmm. spoiled us with all of these amazing super besides. high quality B-sides yeah. that could have been placed on the albums. And that wasn't necessarily the case with Boys for Paley. It was a little bit of a different thing with mm-hmm. the, the silly songs and like a lot of tracks that were clearly improvised. So this they were truly been, like
3: B-sides. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And this was the closest thing we got to a proper song from that era. So maybe people gravitated to it even more than they would have otherwise because that was kind of missing. So we were people looking for that the honey B-side. or yeah. whatever people it was. People l- so. wanted that relationship yeah. with the private songs. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super fans, super collectors. Mm-hmm.
0: And then we wouldn't see it again. I mean, like there's a few good B-sides off of uh, Fire Girl. Fire Girl. Cooling. There's Cooling, sure. of course. There's Do It Again, which I love. Purple People, Purple which is people. amazing. Like, her, yeah. per- her B-sides were back to songs, mm-hmm. not songs but like full songs Mm -hmm. but then you get to 99 and all the b-sides again are all just Mm -hmm. uh, live Live tracks tracks. and then b-sides are gone after that basically yeah sign of the times yeah so this is one of the i would say final proper b-sides that reaches that beloved status so we're really taking turns here on this show (laughs) like we're approaching a whole new era we're approaching the choir girl era Mm What do you think, Saker?
3: Yeah, I agree. I hadn't thought about that, how it is really the only one from this era that is a true song. And the other ones are more, like I said, yeah, like B-sides. And and in the other eras, there were more fleshed out songs. There weren't so many just songs that you would say, oh, yeah, that's, of course, a B-side.
2: Do you think that played into how you responded at all when you were like, ooh, what is this? This is, this is something juicy.
3: <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I just really love the song. But I do have to say I don't think it belongs on the album. I can't see it fitting into the narrative of Boys for Pele. And so I do understand why she didn't put it on the album because I can't see a place that it would fit into that narrative. And so I'm not unhappy that it wasn't on the album.
2: I agree. And musically as well, even though it's solo piano, I can't really um, place it. I think that would be very jarring.
3: Yeah, because a song like that, it would have to be at the beginning, I think. I don't know how it would flow from a song before it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it would be a good opening track for Pele. And I just, I don't see it fitting in there.
0: Agreed. Uh, Yeah, I couldn't imagine this one on the album. It also, to me, doesn't have that gravitas, that emotional, hunkering depth that every song on the album has, like that subtext and that weight. I just don't personally feel that about this song, but maybe I will at the end of this episode. Mm -hmm.
2: So when she's talked about boys for paley and she says, you know, some of the some of the B sides were battling for placement, and the crew thinks such and such song should be on there, and we we ultimately end up thinking that not the red baron is what she's referring to, right? That that wasn't necessarily going to be included. Do we think Alamo was on the list at some point for inclusion on the album? Would that have been possible?
3: She kind of seemed like she was saying that in that interview, that, you know, she had to make decisions. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. And I really feel like what Eve was just saying about um, it doesn't have the depth of the songs on Pele. I think that not all the songs on Pele have the same amount of emotional depth. I mean, you can't really say that Agent Orange has the same depth.
0: How dare you?
3: It's like horses. But I think that with Pele, the strength of it is all of the songs together because it's hard to say what's your favorite song on boys for Pele because I think that the strength of boys for Pele is all of the songs together and it's hard to pull them apart as individual songs because it's so much about the journey of going from horses all the way to twinkle and it's this story and this journey and I think they're better when you listen to them all together.
0: That's so true because when I've always said that like when people ask what's your favorite song off Pele uh, I've always said that my favorite song is Donut Song but it it's never satisfied me to say that. The truth is Donut Song is great but it's great and it's placement on the album after having listened to the 14 songs that precede it and when I'm already there then Donut Song really satisfied. Like, yeah
5: man I mean?
2: can't live on Donuts alone. On <laughs> Donut Holes alone. Yeah.
3: yeah I totally agree with that. Yeah that makes a lot of sense and then to get on a tangent on another song but on hey jupiter people ask like do you like the original or the dakota version better personally if i'm gonna listen to the song i like the dakota version better but on the album i think the original version fits better with the flow of the album i wouldn't want the dakota version to replace it i think if it's better on the album
2: for sure the dakota version would be just out of place yeah
3: Yeah. but for listening to if i was going to listen i would choose to listen to the dakota version yeah
2: well, one might argue that the Mary or the the remix of Professional Widow is out of place on Boys for Pele 2, but didn't stop them from putting it on there. Oh, they yeah. did. Um, that
3: needs to just. I
2: know.
0: One um, might argue that the Tallulah the tornado mix tornado mix of Tallulah doesn't fit, and it doesn't. It doesn't. I it's totally agree. Girl all the way. But yeah. I respect that she said, you know, that she felt that her, the song itself wasn't finished. She didn't say that about Professional Widow. She didn't say that about Hey Jupiter, but she did say that about Tallulah. Like we put it out the album, and the song wasn't finished. We felt the song wasn't finished, and this is what gave it what it needed the, the tor- but I, but it I still would I'd be willing it. to fight her on right? that. <laughs> I totally disagree
3: one might argue that the way that she released Pele it was absolutely perfect and she shouldn't have ever fucked with it after that
2: yeah one might argue that and yeah. I would and I would stand on that person's yeah. side do you <laughs> we you. can get into this a little bit more when we get to the lyrical analysis I guess but do you think that there's any overlap between Alamo and other songs in terms of the subject matter or the situation she's addressing that would have led her to say okay I don't need to include Alamo because there's another song that sort of takes that spot and satisfies what needs to be talked about there
3: I don't know it's hard to say because I've never really delved in too deep about exactly what the song means I think it just kind of encompasses more of a feeling of maybe kind of hey Jupiter is that same kind of loss but I don't know I think maybe it would fit in kind of that area of the album it's kind of a sadness and. And a loss, but it's before things have been rebuilt again. It's still like that sadness kind of area.
2: Yeah, I would agree. There's definitely a sense of loss happening, I think, and maybe taking a gamble mm-hmm. on something. So
3: Maybe right before Hey Jupiter.
2: Mm-hmm. In place of Mohammed,
0: my friend?
3: No, maybe in between.
0: I'm... It would be interesting to play it. Yeah, it would be interesting to go from Cod to sneeze to boom, 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 boom.
3: Yeah, I think Mohammed, my friend, is in a totally different world but I don't know maybe caught a light sneeze and would kind of go to Alamo to hate Jupiter it's kind of that same sense of losing and then to sadness and
4: so <laughs>
0: Then she would never have gone to the bloodline of woman to reinsert woman
2: into the story. Which, as we've been going through Boys for Pele, I feel like... Every single song she has said, this is about the journey from girlhood to womanhood, yes. which makes sense because that's what this album is about. But it's not like any individual song. S- yeah, like no individual <laughs> song is tasked with being withholding that pivotal moment of becoming a woman. It's kind of the whole thing. But nevertheless, it's... You don't just become a woman in four minutes, I do. David. <laughs> I know you did. But the rest of us took at least 18 songs. We all remember when we were made women.
0: I remember. I actually do remember. What about you, Saker?
3: You remember the four minutes it took you to become a woman? It took a
0: lot longer, actually.
3: I don't remember.
0: Let's go to the lyrical analysis of the song. Okay. And I just want to state for the record, because we didn't state it during the Sister Named Desire episode, David, and Saker, you were here too, that we are going to be playing the remastered version with the additional bass Because it's just the most, it's the most crystal clear. It's the most, it sounds the best. But obviously the song was released in a format without the bass back in 1996. And we'll talk about that. But it was released without the bass. But on the remastered version, she included George Porter's bass track. And that's what we're playing here for this section. Something we didn't talk about was the actual battle of the Alamo. Do you think that song has anything to do with that? It's got to have something to do with it, right?
3: So I had never thought about that before, and I had never really understood why it was called Alamo. But um, an interesting thing, I had had Rance Hosley, the comic book artist. I know you guys have talked to him before, so probably the audience knows who, who he is. I commissioned a piece of artwork from him for the song Alamo, and we were kind of talking about it, and he mentioned that he felt like it was talking about the last stand the alamo was the last stand against mexico and they were at a point where they knew that they were going to lose this battle But they were going to stand up against them anyway, and they were going to fight till the end, even though they knew that they were going to lose. And I thought that was a really interesting perspective of the song because it's like she's in this relationship that she knows is over, but she's still going to fight until the very, very end, even though she knows it's a battle that she's already lost. And I thought that was a really interesting perspective that I hadn't thought of. And it kind of gave me a new understanding of the song and why it's called Alamo.
0: So that was their final straw, is what you're saying?
3: Yeah, but that battle, it was such a horrific battle and everybody in there died. And I'm from Texas and so we have Texas history in Texas because Texans really love themselves. And so we learn Don't mess with Texas. (laughs) Yeah. So we learn a lot about this battle and what happened in the battle and it had Davy Crockett and all those important Texan people. But um yeah, during the battle, they really fought till the bitter end. And even though they knew it came to the point where they knew there was no chance that they were going to win, but they weren't going to surrender.
0: Texas so, wasn't going to surrender?
3: Right. They yeah, te- the Texans weren't going to surrender. They still fought until the very end. And so I like that analogy of the relationship where she knew she she was in a losing battle in the relationship, but she was still going to fight till the bitter end. She wasn't going to surrender to it. She's Still gonna fight. Which may be a good thing or a bad thing. Maybe if you know that it's over you should cut your losses.
2: That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but this was something worth fighting for, I guess. And yeah. at the end she says, I'll take my chances. So yeah, regardless exactly. of the outcome. But
3: I'll take my chances. How do you feel
2: think about that, is, David? I feel like this is just a strange reference for Tori to make period but especially in the context of Boys for Paley and everything else she was addressing even geographically like we're yeah. in the south and she talks about the south but suddenly like we're in Texas and we're talking about something that feels very southwesty to me and I don't know Which is it's just strange reason why
3: it doesn't really seem to at all fit into the album mm-hmm. It does just seem like it's kind of its own little offshoot and not really yeah. part of the whole album.
2: Yeah. It's, it's funny to me looking at February 23rd as the date that the Battle of the Alamo started. I almost feel like Tori was looking at her upcoming tour schedule. And she was like, oh, we're starting on February 23rd. What else happened on that day? Oh, the Battle of the Alamo. There's a song. Like, I don't know. I'll just put the Alamo book up and read words. Um, but she's never referenced. Well, she does say I have to get to Texas in Black Dove. And there's like a Thelma and Louise thing happening. So who knows? But
3: Who knows? What's in her head. Or she
2: just watched Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I'm not I'm not convinced that that's not a factor somehow in it this song. It could be.
3: It could be. <sighs> Maybe she watched a documentary about the Alamo on PBS. Uh,
5: Alamo. Okay, Is there so
2: anything else that Alamo, the word Alamo could be referring to? The like Alamo Draft the House, <laughs> Alamo Rental Cars, yeah. Alamo Draft House. I'm sure the Draft House didn't exist in 1995. Maybe
0: it's her idea. I would look at the, I would look at the board of directors to see if she's on it. Mm.
3: Definitely, I think you should. You never
0: know. She all could right. be an angel donor. That's true.
4: Heard all about your fandango.
0: fandango, Alamo oh my Draft God, House. she also
2: started online ticketing. And Fandango. This is a song about cinema.
3: <laughs> and then the fandango comes back in the bridge and Troubles Lament, as we learned last night.
0: Oh, yeah. We're not, I'm not afraid to admit that we spent all night watching the
2: Troubles Lament video.
3: And David had a lovely fandango.
5: I
2: did.
3: We need to get him some real maracas because oh his imaginary God. maracas I were so amazing. I would kill that... for
2: some maracas. And maybe some castañets. Yeah. Who knows?
0: Anyway, so a fandango is a lively Spanish or Spanish American dance in triple time performed by a man and a woman playing castañets. Or it's a piece of music for such a dance or one having its rhythm and a ball or dance. Those are the definitions of Fandango, plural Fandangos.
1: So what do we think it means? So we heard
0: all about it. We heard all about your dance. We heard all about your... Something you were doing on the side.
3: Or just the relationship, the dance, the incident.
0: Is Alamo... Alamo is the last stand, right? Alamo is the structure, the Alamo. These strong structures have been representing men this whole album. Jupiter, Lucifer... What else? Muhammad. Maybe Alamo. Maybe she's speaking to someone that she's calling this
2: immovable structure, this indestructible force. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's a person. Alamo, I've heard all about your Fandango. I also think of something, the Alamo, like being sort of adobe or plastery walls, which makes me think of Under the Pink, which makes me think of Mm -hmm. Eric Ross. So I don't know.
3: Well, then maybe Fandango was like an affair.
2: Interesting. Mm -hmm.
3: I can see that, that Alamo is the man that she's talking to and she's saying Alamo I heard all about your fandango
0: but she doesn't say Alamo I heard all about your fandango she says Alamo heard all about your fandango so I'm suggesting that if Alamo like Jupiter or like Muhammad is a structure or a person if she's singing to Alamo as if he's a man then he heard about her indiscretion which I mean, which goes perfectly into the next line. Roll it.
4: My knees on
0: so just follow me. If Alamo is a person who has heard about her indiscretion, I want to take you to this quote. Um, This is from VH1 Storyteller. She says, I was really in a bind because I was doing some bad things and I was in a love triangle with these. I don't know even if they were real now. I'm confused about the whole thing. So she's talking about the bad things that she was doing, the love triangle that she was in. And then another quote Um, About hey Jupiter. She says hey Jupiter was especially hard. I'd made 13 calls from all over the world I was getting ready to catch a plane and I rang his number Eric Ross's number again But no one was picking up and in that moment after all the blah 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 drawing my lines making my threats I was lying there alone feeling incredibly weak. So begging for forgiveness Maybe banging on your on your back door
4: no matter how strong you feel sometimes. You find yourself crawling on your knees because that phone is not ringing. And you know that it's slipping through your fingers. And you know that you're just not going to be
1: able to get through that wall.
0: Banged on my knees. So she's on her knees. She's like crawling on her
2: knees because that phone is not ringing. Yeah, this and you is know... very on brand yeah. <laughs> with Pele. And she's also scratching on back doors and right, putting the damage on. Crawling on, on her so, knees. Yeah. That phone, that I swear phone she not can't ringing. let it go.
3: And then in the live versions, she almost always says, banged both my knees oh. on your back door. And I like that line better because you have this image of her just like, falling on her knees so hard that both of her knees just bang on the door. And I also like that it's on the back door because it's like she's she can't even come to the front door. She has to go into the back.
0: There's something like, so shameful and secretive yeah. about being at the back door.
3: Right, and she's she has to sneak <laughs> into the back. She's trying to get into the, to the back way and get in somehow, and she bangs both of her knees, falling on her knees to get in the back door.
0: Only to wake you to blues on the way. Only.
3: Oh. <laughs>
4: To wake you to blues on the way. So
2: you is the male figure, or maybe even Alamo, whatever that means. I'm thinking it's possible. I mean, I'm
0: banging on your door begging for your forgiveness, and all it does is wake you up to know that there's blues coming, that I know that I've hurt you. You're waking up to just pain.
2: There's an empathy there. Also, self-pity. I just feel like it's tricky because I feel like in Tori's songs, the perspective switches back and forth without warning. And sometimes, even though she's saying you, she's really she referring her. to herself. So,
3: Well, and if we do go back to it being like an affair, maybe she's trying to tell him, I'm trying to tell you this is only going to end badly. Mm. So I heard about this affair that you had, and I'm trying to plead to you and tell you this is only going to make you sad. This isn't going to make you happy.
0: Or it's only going to make me sad, right?
3: either way yeah it's gonna bring sadness
0: yeah banging both her knees on your back door all it does is nothing all it does is make me sadder all it does is hurt me more hurt Mm -hmm. us more hurt you more Mm -hmm. whoever all all it does it does nothing blues
2: This is also to me kind of like catalyte Sneezes sad sister. Yeah. Maybe like you know what you're doing, Tori, or you know this isn't gonna end well, and you're just kinda like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue on this path anyway. That's right. kinda of what's happening Fighting here this also.
4: Losing battle. Mm-hmm.
2: Inba, that's like to me like Luna Riviera. I don't know why which you we say that about off we air, might, but we, I don't know why you say it that way. It's like it's, she's just cramming the cramming the syllables in there and they at don't at quite all. fit, but right.
0: I think when she says Luna Riviera, I think you can very clearly hear the era. I hear.
2: Riviera. Luna Riviera. I know we've done this before, but I still hear Luna Riviera. See, I, <laughs> I hear Luna Riviera.
0: I, I'm gonna, I wanted to get the sound wave of just that. Because Luna Riviera to me is like a safe, magical place that you can always...
3: Mm-hmm. My mom's dog's name is Luna Riviera.
0: At uh, your insistence.
3: Well, she was going to name the dog Luna, and so, obviously, I convinced her that the middle name should be Riviera. And she liked it, so.
0: Did you say it, Luna? Come
3: here,
2: Luna, Riviera.
3: You know, in this song, though, I definitely think she says Embarcadar.
2: Embarcadar. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Embarcadar. Yeah. I don't think so.
4: Embarcadar. Yeah, totally.
2: Embarcadero. I might <laughs> Luna not. Luna Riviera. Luna Embarcadero. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, but what does that mean in the context <laughs> of the song? Stop keeping us on task, David. Well,
3: the Embarcadero is a sorry, pier. Sorry. The Embarcadero is a pier or a port.
2: Mm-hmm. A place to land. A place to land. A safe place, maybe.
3: I like safe places. Mm. Or I... it's a place to leave. Maybe she's trying to leave. San Antonio is nowhere near... A port.
2: It isn't. Um oh, no,
3: I guess there's a river, huh? Yeah.
2: For me,
0: yeah. this is hard to pick apart. Embarcadero, figures you'll see me as older.
4: Figures you'll see me as older.
0: Embarcadero, landing place. Yeah. Figures you'll see me as older. So it seems to me like he's landed. If you're talking if Alamo is a person, if Alamo is who she's singing to. Alamo, heard all about your affair. I begged you to come back to me. Scratched at your back door. Only to be hurt more because you don't want me. Mm -hmm. Landing place. Figures you'd see me as older. Figured you'd see me as worthless. Or
3: maybe she's been beaten down because she's sad and she looks older. 23 hours to...
2: Um, I'm sure this has nothing to do with anything, but driving from L.A. to San Diego, there is an Embarcadero off-ramp. And I'm sure there are others um, around the country. But I, of course, always think of this song when I drive past it, especially if on my way to a Tory show. And you never it know. It be because 23
3: hours between San Antonio and L.A.
2: It could be. Oh, it no, that's me. not that's not what I'm saying. I'm just still stuck well, on Embarcadero it and took what me that 20, could mean. It took
3: me 20 hours from Austin to Sacramento. No, now. it's not, no, not twenty.
0: Well, it's twelve hours from L.A. to New Mexico to where I, my, I grew up, Las Cruces. It's twelve hours exactly, and then it's probably another twelve hours to San Antonio.
3: So maybe if you drive slow, twenty three hours.
2: But what does that have to do with the Embarcadero? You said
3: there was an exit.
2: I only bring that up because sometimes she'll weave in references to places where she was when a song was being born or when she was experiencing something. So maybe she was actually just by an off-ramp called Embarcadero or by a peer. Who knows when this relationship is sort of falling apart. And to me, that kind of leads into what if I see you here again or we meet again in the future? You'll see me as older and we'll we'll be different people than we were from this moment. And nothing will be the same.
0: (laughs) That makes me so sad. The idea that I mean that that's an idea that really there's two things that like really affect me, and one of them is aging. (laughs) No, like one of well one of them is like the relationships between fathers and sons, and like television and movies and books and stuff that will always make me cry. But then also like the idea that you can't be together in this lifetime oh it kills me wow yeah like this if that's what this is like you'll see me in another lifetime and we'll i'll be older and you'll mm-hmm. be older and we'll reassess like that that hurts my heart
3: you know maybe she's looking for ways to get out like the embarcadero that's a way to get out um and then she's thinking okay well it's 23 hours to get to the border there's a way to get out
0: but then she says don't think i'll be going as fast as i came
4: don't She's
3: thinking, here's a way, here's a way. And then she's like, no, I can't go. I'm not going to be able to go.
0: Leaving isn't as easy for me as coming to you. Mm -hmm. Right.
3: Yeah. But she's, she's in this place where she's just like, I'm losing this. Maybe I could leave on a boat. Maybe I could drive to the border. And then she's like, what am I saying? I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this.
2: That feels right to me, but don't think I'll be going as fast as I came. Also sort of takes me back to not necessarily aging, but jumping into something, um, enthusiastically or optimistically and then being sort of destroyed by it and being physically unable to leave that quickly. (laughs) Like this has drained me and I just can't.
0: And then the repetition of fast as I came shows the eagerness uh, that she came into this relationship, maybe the innocence. And it also highlights the disappointment and the, the unwillingness to go or the unwillingness to let go.
3: Maybe she jumped into this relationship really quickly. And then now she's been just ruined by it. Mm-hmm. Tears on my
4: pillow, of course mine. That
3: line just really kills me because it's like you're crying on your pillow and then you're denying that. I mean, obviously there's tears on your pillow. Those are your tears, but you're denying your sadness so much that you're denying the tears on your own pillow
0: I never looked at it like that
3: those aren't my tears I'm not crying
0: I never looked at it like that at all ever what was your read my read was tears on my pillow that they're his tears on my pillow Mm -hmm. like they're his tears I hurt him I'm the monster he I don't I'm not the one crying I'm the one destroying everything he's trapped here and those are his
2: tears on my pillow
3: that's an interesting take
2: Yeah, no, I definitely saw it as a denial and not wanting to be vulnerable and admit that someone else has that much. Yes, not wanting to admit that someone else had that much power over you or that you cared that much, I guess. Like, no, those aren't
3: mine. Yeah.
2: Does everybody in the toy community read it that way? Well, the two of us do.
3: Hashtag my tears, his tears. Yeah.
2: I don't know, something about of course, even if it was tears on my pillow, no, they're not mine, but it seems like, you know, she's... Yeah, of course, they're not mine. Yeah, no.
3: No, and I, I just, I feel like that's really powerful. Denying your own tears. I like that illustration better than just coming out and saying, I'm not upset about it. It's just such a good illustration. And then also, like we were talking about before with her lyrics, because she writes them like that, then we can have that meaning, and then you have a completely different understanding of it which makes it mean something different to you and and i think that's one of the draws of her lyrics is that they can mean something totally different to different people
2: mm-hmm. she may have been over it in the rookery but i don't think she's over it here for sure <laughs> i hear what you guys are saying but no i hear what you guys are saying it's valid i just never
0: read it that way and now i feel foolish i've believed her at her word <laughs> <laughs>
2: since when have you ever believed tori at her word? i was
3: word? just gonna say haven't you learned better by now <laughs>
2: Of course they're not mine. Okay, girl. Must be his then.
3: Alter
4: that altar.
0: So this has two possible meanings in my mind. One, alter that altar. It has something to do with marriage and now it's not going to happen. Or alter that altar. Adjust the pedestal that he's on. Do we all look at it that way or am I wrong there too? Am I getting an F on Alamo?
3: I never really understood what that line was, so...
0: Adjust the altar, adjust the pedestal that he's on so that he's he's no longer a god or a deity. Alter that altar.
2: I agree, and we also spend so like much that. time talking about feminine and masculine balance and power and you know, inserting the feminine back into the story and the patriarchy, so I kind of feel like that line encapsulates all of that.
3: Making a play Obviously she's writing a play about the Alamo. <laughs> right. You're making a play.
2: That's so yes, exactly. Tori's a one woman show about the battle of the Alamo. <laughs> Starring, I can see her walking out with a like uh, starring Amos. yeah walking out with a curly mustache drawn on and a big sombrero
3: she's gotta get the the raccoon hat like Davy Crockett
2: I am not sure what's what was the improv from the Father Lucifer episode I am not your sombrero I am not a sombrero yeah <laughs> I am not But what what does making a play mean? Making a play. Making a play to me just takes me back to her doing anything to keep this going and like strategizing. And what can I do to make sure that he comes back or to keep this relationship going? Even though I feel like it's already over. But
3: yeah. And she kind of after that starts putting in like some gambling references. And so maybe that's kind of moving towards she's making a play and then she says, I'm, I'll take my chances And so she's kind of, now she's already said that it's her last stand. And so now she's like, okay, well, I'm going to, if I'm not going to leave, then I'm going to make a play.
2: Does that invalidate Alter That altar? Or she's making a play to alter the altar? I don't know.
3: Alter That altar, making a play.
2: Power move. Yeah. Maybe that's
3: how she's making a play. It's by altering the altar.
5: Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, like a power move, like adjusting her position in the relationship by altering the altar Somebody invent the
5: telephone
0: line. i love that line out of context of the whole song just the the phrasing somebody invented the telephone line takes me back to how long ago the alamo <laughs> the battle of the alamo mm-hmm. was i don't know it just feels that timeless in that way and,
2: and <laughs> you're thinking of Tori and little house on the prairie kind of yeah we're yeah. back to that gingham dress yeah and um and the like ruffles and the Yeah, that's interesting. I don't actually take that line and place it in the context of like the period in which the Alamo (laughs) took place and the fact that there literally was no telephone line to me. It just seems so desperate, like communication has broken down and I don't have access to what I would need to fix this.
3: Well, and I would think in that context, she wouldn't be a happy prairie girl. It would probably be like dying people in the Alamo not able to call out for help. And so she's like so desperate and she can't even make a phone call to get somebody to help her. She's like, I need help. Can't somebody just invent a telephone line so I can call for help. Yeah, and I
2: think we're back to that Hey Jupiter moment where she talks about phone ringing and him not picking up.
3: If this does come before Hey Jupiter, she's like, somebody just invent the telephone. Mm -hmm. And then Hey Jupiter comes and she's like, well, no one's answering the fucking Mm -hmm. phone anyway.
0: I like that. Or even in the opposite way, which is like, uh, no one's picking up the phone. It's a useless invention. So someone should invent a way for us to communicate because this thing is useless. So someone invent the telephone line. We invented the telephone. So, someone invent the line. You're right. I don't even have what I need to communicate. But to me, it doesn't seem... I'm not saying that the song itself isn't sad, because I think it is sad. Bang both my knees on your back door, scratching, crawling for you. Like, that's sad imagery. And it's coming from a place where she's desperate for somebody. But this doesn't seem to me sad for some reason.
3: I think she sounds very yearning and very sad. I think the whole song has a very sad feel about it. I think it feels very sad.
0: Tears on my pillow, of course they're not mine. Alter that, alter making a play. Somebody invent the telephone line. I'll take my chances.
4: chances.
2: She'll take her chances on what? This relationship. Even though I know how things are going to end and the writing's already on the wall, maybe, I'm not willing to admit that to myself yet.
4: I'm going to take my chances.
0: Alamo, wish I could do what gold does.
4: Well,
3: I always thought it was, I wish I could do what God does. So I am shaken.
0: You're shaken to your core. I
3: am. I, so I don't know because I don't know what gold does, but I know what God does.
2: Gold does probably what God does.
3: Oh, okay
2: right what okay what what did you think when it was what does god do i can't talk
3: um cuz i thought that i saw that as god can do anything and so if i could do what god does then i could just fix all of this wish i could just make all of this right
0: i look at wish i could do what gold does is gold can shine and gold can sparkle and your young gold over there your fandango gold your fandango gold
2: she can shine and sparkle i wish i could do that i don't know why i'm going to talk about Um, the lyric being what God, wish I could do what God does because it turns out that those aren't really the lyrics, but I always loved that. And to me, I read that as I kind of wish I could do horrible things and get away with it or rationalize it away or have other people be willing to do that for me like yeah but when tra- people try to justify want. like why a supposedly benevolent god allows bad things to happen and mm-hmm. it's like well and they have all sorts of reasons whatever, why whatever, yeah I do what i want <laughs> but it's really gold so
3: but it's gold so <laughs> so she gonna sparkle
4: Heard that the stars were in
3: i don't know if this means like that everything was already like it was fate like, it was already planned out. This determined. was already how it was going to mm-hmm. be. Or if, like, everything is... I heard that everything was taken care of, but it was wrong.
0: No, I, I think I like that. That it's fate.
3: Yeah, I heard that it was already aligned
0: mm. in the stars. This was how it was going to always be.
3: Yeah.
4: Got yourself dealt a hand with two queen mm.
3: This is my favorite line of the song. And... um Have you ever played spades? Mm -mm. So it's a card game and you play it with four people and the goal of the game is to not get any spades and you get a point for every spade that you get and so you want to have the lowest score. But a queen of spades is worth 13 points. So if you get the queen of spades, you're probably going to lose. So you got yourself dealt a hand with two queen of spades, which isn't really possible in the game. But if you got two queen of spades, then you're just, you're royally fucked.
0: So, like, it's impossible to be that screwed, yet you somehow did. Yes, Got that screwed.
3: You've gotten yourself in this absolutely impossibly screwed situation. There's no way you're going to win now. You got two queen of spades. You're absolutely fucked. And I just, I love that line so much. It just gives me this feeling of just ultimate screwedness. (laughs) You're just in this place that you're never going to get out of. And how did that even happen? How did you even get two queens of spades? That's...
0: So then let's take it back to where we are in Boys for Pele because I'm going to change. Now I'm starting to get. Can into I the just say one more thing about the cards
2: before yes. we do that, too? And, you know, reference to card game, two ties back to me what we were just talking about with stars and fate. When you say something like it just wasn't in the cards, it's beyond your control. And you can sort of press press on with the situation and see see what's going to happen. But regardless of what you did, things just weren't going to go your way. So yeah.
0: um, I'm seeing it now as this whole verse right here, Alamo, wish I could do what gold does heard that the stars were in order, got yourself. To, I think she's singing to herself because if we're talking about this love triangle that she's in here in this album that she talks about, she's royally fucked. She's got two queen of spades. She's got the one man and then the other man. And they're, you, you're in a losing situation with both of them. There's You can't win with either of these men. Do you know what I mean? How did you, taking from what Saker said, how did you? You're in an impossible situation, and you're totally screwed. Two Queen of Spades. Two these two men. That's what I'm thinking now, that I've heard about this card game that Saker plays. The first I've heard
2: of this. How so, you how you say spades? First I've heard spades. of this game. How you say it's
0: spades? Fun
3: fun. I like
4: to play cards. It's fun.
2: She's a gambling woman.
4: I am.
0: and that's the way it was always gonna be heard that the stars were in order
3: yep it was in the cards it was in the stars
0: and blues on the way
3: blues on the way
0: so these men that you throw yourself it only is gonna lead to blues on the way Mm -hmm. like yeah but I can't stop so then the chorus again Ends with saying, "I'll take my chances." So I get it now. Like she's still gonna keep
2: playing the game.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I think at the end of it, she's still decided that she's still gonna try. Lori, <laughs>
2: but she's self-aware about it. Like she's definitely not a victim here. Like she has all the information, and she still decides that yeah, she's gonna. Yeah, she
3: makes a choice.
2: Mm-hmm. Eve's eyes have gone out of focus. He's <laughs> far away. He's thinking about everything. Just life. Not everything, just life. And the Alamo. <laughs> and sadness. Remember
0: the Alamo. And now sometimes it doesn't work out for some people. Uh, it's sad. Um, what's your favorite lyrical moment, Saker?
3: Got yourself dealt a hand with two queen of spades.
0: And what, and that's because of how sad, how impossibly fucked you are.
3: Yeah, I just I really like the the emotion that that conveys to me.
0: What about you, David? What's your favorite lyrical moment?
2: I guess figures you'll see me as older. There's so much sadness and, I guess, mourning in that. And, you know, the idea of meeting people that you've parted ways with later in life and how you'll see each other or how what perspective you'll have on what your relationship was in the past. I don't know. That bums me out in, you know, the best melancholy way that only Tori can, I guess. (laughs) Eve? Probably now, at the end of studying the song, with blues on the way. Like, it's
0: not there yet, and you know it's coming, but there's nothing you can do to stop it. You see it coming. Because, like, you see anything coming, you see a train coming, you can get out of the way. <laughs> right? But you see blues coming and
2: just powerless. Well, this woman has certainly been engaging in some risky behavior. At this point. In games of emotional Russian roulette. So she might be willing to play a little chicken with that oncoming train. She's going to take Yeah. I feel like it's, maybe we, should, we need to push through boys for Pele and get to a different place we, Because this has happened with the last several songs where Eve and I sit down, all gung-ho, ready to go and by the end we're like, oh well, why yeah. are we here? Even like, when we don't see it coming,
0: want to die. Mm.
3: We, we need to redo Mr. Zebra, huh. <laughs>
0: Even that song makes me want to yeah, die. Oh
3: uh. it ended up sad, huh? Where's a happy song? Let's do London girls. Uh, let's do
0: Mr. Badman. Let's just do that one next. Out of context. Mm-hmm. He's the uh, bad uh, man.
3: Programmable soda. Okay.
0: I can do that. I can do that one. I'm ready. Um, well, this song is good. No. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it more, and I proof. This is an incredible instrumental cover of Alamo by Yanta. You can support him by heading over to Patreon.com/Yanta and throw him your support. He's done all of Tori's songs, basically. So get at him. I really believe this whole intro, this first intro was a complete improv and it would have been so easy to start right at the change right here. But I think just starting in that deep despair without the context of the whimsy of the relationship leading up to it, of just the whim- the carefree moment before to just drop into that pit of despair. I think the improv intro before this really sets you up to it, raises the stakes, and it sets you up to fall further. There's this beautiful touch, this discordant moment that underscores the word blues right here. Oh, I think that's so beautiful.
4: 23 hours to the boo day
0: And this moment oh my god That has to be my favorite moment in the song, just that abandon that you enter a relationship with, that you run as fast as you can into the relationship.
2: What's your favorite musical moment david Um, of course the extended instrumental piano intro yeah yeah what's your favorite musical moment Zaker? the
3: intro I, it's my favorite musical moment of anything ever the chords at the beginning
2: yeah That's, and yeah. it's not sad to you to me it's at I least know. at least it's melancholy bitter, but it's bitter sweet bittersweet to me sweet, yeah. not, That's it's how not how like I'm a describing. ballad but
0: yeah it's no hey jupiter where yeah. it's like you're just destroyed
3: yeah it, it's melancholy, I would I would use that word, yeah.
0: Reflective. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the bass line added in the remaster, Saker? Hated it. Why?
3: I just, my favorite Tori songs tend to be ones that are mostly just her and the piano, or maybe with just a little bit of something else added in. And so I just fell in love with it, of it just being such a pure Tori and the piano song. And I just felt like it was unnecessary and kind of interfered with the pureness of her and the piano. It's so intimate. And I didn't like having that third person there and that intimate.
0: Get out of here, George.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: What if it had been released always with a bass line?
3: I guess then I wouldn't know any different. Yeah, But I think sometimes I am old and resistant to change also. No. (laughs) So
0: David knows nothing about that. <laughs>
3: so um, yeah, like you said, if it had always been there, I wouldn't notice. But I don't like new things.
0: But would you have grown close to the song if there was a bass line in it from the beginning?
3: Well, I don't know what things would have been if I. Would you I take cannot. your
2: chances though? I,
3: <laughs> I would take my chances. Yes.
2: I think it's a nice to have, and I love anything that gives Did us. Did you say you think it's a nice to have? It's like, a nice to have. It's a nice the bass, to have. nice to have. An Nth. It doesn't. It doesn't impact. The original version or the re- version we've had for forever, and I always love having a window into Tori's process and what her decisions are. Like, for whatever reason, at the time, she decided to take the bass off the song.
3: And I think that was a good decision. Even though she had
2: it, and now we have it back, and we've spent a lot of time talking about how many players she had on this album, the most of any album, but how subtle and sparse it is. And I think, again, that's what we're talking about here is it's just texture, and it's super subtle, but it's kind of nice, so... He's I not like wanking, wanking all over it. Um, so, <laughs> well,
4: great.
0: Here's a cover of Alamo by a Turkish artist named Pixie Buicks I think that's how you say it. Anyway, you can find this on SoundCloud, and we'll link to it on our show notes at SongsOfToramus.com.
4: Who's on the way? Who's on the way? I'm broke it all Figures you see me as older Twenty-three hours still the pool
0: We've been through quite a journey here. Okay, it's time for the live section, David. What do you think? This should be fun.
2: Live is good. For once? For once. We didn't have a live section for the last song. Thankfully, we're going with a jaunty, upbeat song like Alamo, according to Eve. Right. So. David is, of course, referring to the fact that I said
0: that this song was melancholy, but not devastating. Anyway, so Saker has some stuff to talk about. Tell us one of your live Tori Amos Alamoa stories. Just one from the archives. Start, start, start with an easy, good one.
3: Okay, well, in 2014 in uh, Mesa, Arizona... I asked her to play it, and I asked her if she would play it with the uh, piano introduction. And she looked at me with this look on her face like I was a crazy person and said, Alamo has an intro? And it was in this way that made me question myself. (laughs) And I was like, yes? (laughs) And she was like, oh, well, I'll have to learn it. And I was like, okay, that's great. And she didn't. But she did play Alamo in San Diego, which I was very happy about. and um someone else rose, you guys she, Rose does a lot for the show, yeah. yeah, she had requested it also. and when she played it in San Diego, she said this is for a couple of lovely girls that requested this, and so that was me and Rose, and that was lovely. So
2: were you happy with that version?
3: I was very happy it was it was really amazing, yeah. so even though she didn't play the intro, it was still amazing, and I was very happy.
2: I feel like anytime I've heard this song, I have the same experience with it as I do when she performs Merman. It's that she doesn't fully know the song and that she kind of meanders. I mean, I feel like that's how the song was born anyway, so it makes sense. But she kind of repeats lines mm-hmm. or, you know, goes in different directions. And it's never it's never the same and certainly never the same as it is in the studio version. And yeah. I feel like that's just because she doesn't actually know it that well. <laughs> and it was highly improvised, which is fine. Yeah,
3: but. kind of lives its own life every mm-hmm. time.
0: So let's go into the extended live history. And Sagar, you you pop up if you have a story of any of these, okay?
3: I have a lot in 2017 because I went on a campaign to try and get her to play it with the intro.
2: Even though you'd just gotten it the tour before. I know not with the intro. Well, because I was
3: trying to get the intro. And that was my goal for the 2017 Hmm. tour is to get her to play the intro.
2: And that's not unreasonable. I mean, people have gotten all of Anastasia out of right. her. so I got Hotel Solo. Mm.
3: And it, it is like less than 60 seconds. So you would think that a piano aficionado like she is would be able to play less than 60 seconds of her own composition. But apparently that's too
0: hard. Ooh, shade. <laughs> Ooh, shade.
5: Ooh, shade. Ooh, shade.
3: Ooh, shade. Ooh, shade. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I went to quite a few shows in 2017. And I went to the first show in Ireland. And I asked her if she would play it with the intro. And she was like, I'll learn it. So then um, I went to some other meet and greets. And I asked her again, and she was like, okay, well, keep reminding me. And I said, okay. And so then at another one, I was like, I'm Reminding you again to play Alamo with the intro, and I was like, I'm gonna keep bugging you about this.
0: Oh, this is a good story. And tell her, tell, the, tell the audience what she said.
3: She said, "You're never ever bugging me." Oh. Yeah, she said, "No, keep on reminding me. You're never ever bugging me. So just keep reminding me." So I did. I kept reminding her, and then um, in Dallas, I went backstage for Rain, and I asked her again, and she go, she started to write it down, and she goes. Oh, but you want it with the front end, right? (laughs) And
2: And the low end.
3: (laughs) Yeah, with the front end. You're not
2: coming at it from the back door.
3: Right. And I thought that was so cute that she said with the front end. So then... um, Put that in the
2: plus column for 2017, Tori. I love that. How generous. So cute. The front (laughs) end.
3: So then in San Diego at the meet and greet, I went for my final push to get Alamo I bought her, when I was in Texas, I bought her a shot glass with the Alamo on it, and I drew her a picture of the Alamo, and I gave them to her in San Diego. She loved it. It was hilarious. She thought it was great. And she said, this really means a lot, and I am so glad that you gave this to me. And I
2: love doing shots. How did you know? <laughs> mm.
3: And I told her that she should drink tequila out of it, and she thought that, that was really great. And she was like... Okay, I promise I'll do it in L.A. I promise you I will do it in L.A. And so she sort of halfway did it at the last L.A. show.
0: Well, let's hear that. Here she is sort of halfway doing it at the last L.A. show. This was December 3rd, 2017. Let's start there and go backwards. Weekend was the three Ace hotel shows, and we, me and Peter Zimmerman, my dear sister named Desire, my sister named De Zimmerman. De Zimmerman, exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. It took me a minute to get there. My sister named Zimmerman and I spent the whole weekend at the Ace, and everybody, you know, I was, you know, the end of tour can be very emotional, and I was going, it was having a very emotional day that last day, and I wanted to kind of be alone. And I was laying up in the room, and I heard sound check from that day, and among other things, she did a lot of things during soundcheck that she ended up doing that night. But then she also did Alamo. Was it with the intro? I don't know. Didn't I send you? a I sent you the.
3: You did, and I couldn't hear anything
0: on it. Oh, it's it's there. I oh, I still probably have it on my phone. I can't remember if she did it with or without the intro, but she did do it during soundcheck for like 15
2: minutes. I thought that was great.
3: And when you told me that, I definitely did not start crying
2: (laughs) oh yeah i forgot oh yeah that was good was it paired with smooth operator during sound check weird yeah that is weird had someone asked her for that for smooth operator because we know at the end there she was just trying to like get everything off her list and satisfy as many people as possible so she was like all right how can i knock out two at once well she'd already done smooth operator
3: yeah she'd already done smooth operator
0: Mm. in chicago Mm mm-hmm
3: I think maybe she just felt like she couldn't do it. And so she wanted to.
0: Do something that people seem to enjoy before.
3: Yeah, I think she wanted to put a little bit of it in there. She knew she could pull off Smooth Operator. She had done it already. And she's like, oh, here, I'll just throw in a couple of lines.
0: <laughs> Everybody will be happy.
3: <laughs> then she'll shut up already.
0: Shut up already. <laughs> she should have just said that from the stage. Uh, she goes <laughs> in a already. Smooth Operator. Shut up
5: already.
3: <laughs> <laughs> You've
0: been bugging me since the other. Continent. been bugging me since the other continent. Okay, she did not do it in 2015 since we're going backwards. She did not do it on the 2015 festival tour, but she did do it, as Saker mentioned, in the 2014 uh, unrepentant Geraldine's tour. And here she is doing it on the 24th of July in San Diego.:
1: Somebody asked me for this. A group of wonderful girls asked me for this. And I haven't done it in the not Europe, I don't think. I'm menopausal, so I tell everybody I forget things. So if I did do it, I didn't mean to lie, but I'm, I'm unrepentant about menopause. It's not okay. but the ups are better than the downs. You just have to get there, push through.
4: 50 is on the
2: Embargoedo.
0: So, what do we think about the 2014 version?
3: It was amazing. It was beautiful.
0: She did not do it in 2012 on the Gold Dust Orchestral Tour, missed opportunity, but she did do it on the 2011 Night of Hunters Tour, but solo. Mm. Again, a missed opportunity. Because imagine it was strings, it could have been fun. Sure. Here it is on the 29th of October in Brussels.
4: Please.
2: Nine Hundred Tour version. What do we think?
3: Alan was always amazing.
2: I'm just trying to imagine what that would be like. But there are a lot of things I would like to hear with a string arrangement, just to see what they came up with. Well, she did not do it in 2010 or 2009. Simple attraction. She was too busy pushing that evil from her, as we watched last night. Earth mother, our strong black vine. Like like a mother motherfucker, motherfucker. <laughs> a strong black mother. <laughs> It really is. It cracks me up. because I didn't really think about it at the time when she was doing it, but listening back now, it's like it's posed as a question. Like, she's not so sure. Strong black vine? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Motherfucker?
5: Motherfucker.
0: (laughs) Push that evil out? So here she is in 2007, performing on the American Doll Posse Tour, December 13th. Santa Barbara.
4: 23 hours to Lagoon. I think I'll be going as fast as
3: Two thousand seven. I went to Santa Barbara, and my husband snuck into that show, and it's the only Tory show he's ever seen. And he snuck in the back and texted me. Back door. Yep. And he said, "I am here in the show. I snuck in."
2: (laughs) I can see why, because I remember we all had a hard time getting tickets for that show. Yeah, that was we all barely made it in. Yeah.
3: Well, there was nobody at the door. He just walked right in. He was (laughs) bored, because he he's. The most amazing husband ever, and he drives me around and takes me to Tory shows, even though he doesn't like her. And so he took me to the show and then was just going to go hang around town, but there's nothing to do in Santa Barbara. So he got bored, and he came to the venue, and he just walked right in. Nobody stopped him, and he just hung out in the back of the theater and texted me and said he was at the show. And that's the only Tory show he's seen, and afterwards I was like, so what did you think? And he was like, it was all right. And I was like, she played my favorite song, and he was like, oh, okay.
0: Thanks, Steve. (laughs) Did you request it in 2007? Was that one for you?
3: Um, Yeah, I did. I requested it earlier in the tour. I think I had requested it in Texas. requested it in Houston yeah and then she played it in Santa Barbara
2: I mean that makes sense I'm gonna request Alamo in Texas you should definitely play it in Santa Barbara
3: yeah totally
2: see we hate when she's so literal and we hate when she's not literal David Uh, uh, pick one there are times when it wouldn't
3: seem so well she's played it in San Diego and Santa Barbara maybe she doesn't realize that those cities aren't San Antonio
2: maybe she doesn't know what the Alamo is
3: true that could be true right
2: maybe it was about a person and not a place Or or the rental car place right they're everywhere
3: maybe she has a vendetta against alamo rental cars maybe she had a bad experience
2: she did
0: it again in 2005 august 26th in montreal i was on that whole tour but i missed that show because that was the week that i was going to move to my new apartment in los angeles where i still currently live so i don't regret it remember how hot that summer was, it was pretty hot good god it
3: was hot. it was hot
0: you heard it was hot who told you
3: that's what they
4: say
0: it was a hot summer um here it is summer of sins version <laughs> of Alamoa. Five. 2003 on Lotta Pianos, August 20th in Columbus, Ohio. Saker for this show?
3: I did not. The first time I heard it was in 2007.
0: Oh that was the first time you ever gotten it? Yeah. Oh okay. So now we're pre-dating Saker. She did it twice on Strange Little Tour in 2001. On the 2nd of November in Austin, Texas. I was there so here she is doing it there. strange little tour on the first show of the san diego two to show night roll it Tori.
2: seen it five times? That's crazy. Yeah, this is crazy for how rare
0: it is that you've seen it that many times. She didn't do it in 99, but she did do it twice in 98. Which one would you like to hear? Vegas. Vegas. Here it is on September 24th, one year prior to her Vegas pay-per-view taping exactly to the day, which I always thought was really weird. That is weird. September 24th, 98, she was also in Vegas and here she is doing Alamo. So uh, I promised I
1: would do this. I've been promising people
4: that have Told me that if I didn't play this in Vegas, it was
1: like, yeah, I'm gonna pee on my head. They've been very patient. I don't know, how many shows has this girl been? Like 15 shows or something. Anyway. Where's Maynard? you yeah.
2: tells a funny story because she claims that someone's going to pee on her head if she Aaron doesn't do it. think Russell threatened to pee on her head?
3: Maybe that's how I can get her to play the intro. I just need to threaten to pee on her head. Yeah.
2: I think that's good. It's like this song has a history of urination associated with it.
3: Or maybe I need to take it to another level.
2: Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a smattering of plays throughout her career. Played five times on the 96 tour. The last time she did it in the 96 tour was the 24th of October on, in West Palm Beach with Umla Boomlay.
3: Yeah, that's the best Alamo ever. The one where she mixes it with Umla Boomley.
0: Here it is, October 24th, West Palm Beach.
3: love about it um it's just such a passionate performance it's very 96 she gets a little demony, and she's just very into it and i like how she mixes it it's it's really good yeah she really gets into it and
0: shocking that there is demon in alamo huh the Demon in the Alamo, probably in the basement. And since we've already played the very first time she ever played it, at the beginning of the show, we're going to end our live segment with the second time she ever played it. This is July 27th, 1996 in Springfield, Illinois. This was a request
1: earlier. I am never, ever, ever do this.
0: Tori has done Alamo a total of 16 times over the course of her career and usually usually once a tour or once a year so that's it I feel, I feel like I know Alamo a little bit better. Do you feel like that,
3: Saker?
2: You already knew it pretty well.
3: I feel like I know it better,
2: David. I do too. I really appreciate the line by line. I think you know, we achieved a new level of understanding for me personally. Anyway,
3: I feel like I did too. Even though I already really knew the song well, I liked uh, analyzing the lyrics a little bit more.
2: Eve. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I feel think like Eve is trying to hide the tears on his pillow. Wow. He's acting sort of. Well, of course, they're not mine. Dismissive, but I feel like. He has internalized something.
0: No, I feel like I've never had any thoughts about the song and now I do have thoughts on the song. So in 20 years when we revisit this episode to redo it, mm-hmm. I might have 20 years of having had thoughts on the
2: song to make up for the 20 years i spent not having thoughts on the song. Well, we then... will definitely see you as older <laughs> at that point. <laughs> How could you? It's just the way it is. No, I'll still have good skin. Also, I'll, yeah, I'll, if you keep hitting yourself in the <laughs> face with your microphone or doing whatever that was weird doing ombre, thing is you're doing I well, didn't hear that, but I was doing that on break it
0: was, You know like when you slap your cheeks and you need a little color? Like a
2: little rouge pitch? Yeah, you just go like Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: I had to get ready for the recording
2: <laughs> Saker was here
3: He was hitting me in the face with the microphone too That
2: was accident. Yeah. Our show was rituals it? are very strange, on par with Tori's doinkity doink should we, I was just about to from, say, should we show them what we mm-hmm. do before the show? God, they were doinkety, so doinkety, humiliated when she made them do that. <laughs> I didn't look at them as humiliated. Maybe they were, Kate. They were exchanging nervous glances like, oh, God, is she really going to make us do this? This thing that we hate to TV? do anyway. It's like when your parents get out embarrassing pictures of you as a kid or something and <laughs> show it to people. Mom. <laughs> it's definitely doink. a different
3: experience to be here in person recording with you guys instead of just on the phone. What's how so?
2: so?
0: How so, yeah.
3: Uh, there's a lot more gummy worms involved.
0: Yeah, yeah. We couldn't do it without gummy worms.
3: Yeah, I think this show should be sponsored. I
0: agree. Duh. Dummies. Yeah. Alamo Horrible That was perfect, yeah <laughs> Thank you We should,
3: we should um, buy another bag of gummy worms and build an Alamo Oh,
0: a gummy Alamo A gummo A gummo, a- I could do that What else is different about recording live with us Than you'd expect
3: uh, It's nice to like be in the same room and actually have a conversation over the phone. kind of weird.
2: I agree. I don't like the phone, really. Yeah. I, however, disagree. Someone invent the telephone line. I like to be How able to be look screaming. Eve straight in the face and see the they get disinterested look in his eyes. <laughs> it's just my resting face. You're twirling your hair like a
0: prairie girl. Making a play. Well, this is interesting for everyone listening, I'm sure, but we have to call it quits. If you like what we do, please head over to patreon.com slash songsoftoriemus where you can become a supporter today. If you really like what we do, follow us across our social, at Songs of songsoftoriemus on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Sign up for our newsletter at SongsofTorimus.com. Write us a review on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Find us on Spotify. Just love us. That's all we're asking you to do. Just love us. Goodbye, David. Bye. Say bye, Saker. Bye, Saker. Never gets old. That's it. Recuring bit.